Good morning. My name is Debbie Olson. Today's Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 to 10. Listen for the word of God. A shoot shall come out from the stalk of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf, the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den." They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Today's gospel reading is from the Good News according to Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Listen. For the word of God. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
It's always a little hesitation with texts like that when we say, ah, the word, you know, hear what the Spirit is, thanks be to God, yes, fire, yes, very good. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come as the wind and refresh, come as the fire and burn. Come and fill our hearts with your peace and kindle our lives with your justice, your mercy, and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's scripture doesn't sound entirely Christmassy, does it? Uh, it doesn't scream Christmas. Exactly. We've got huge crowds at the banks of the Jordan River. We've got John the Baptist, who's a kind of survivalist, uh, camel hair coat, long scraggy hair, uh, subsisting on grasshoppers and honey. Um, you know, he's, he's sort of an original, he's like very carbon conscious, you can tell. Um, he's shouting at people, echoing the call of Isaiah to prepare the way of the Lord, calling the people to repent to turn their lives around, a message that's apparently quite popular because people are lined up kind of around the block to confess and be baptized one after the other after the other. But then it says that this gang of Pharisees and Sadducees show up and get in line. And when they show up, John just kind of lays right into them. He lays right into them and he calls them a brood of vipers. You know, imagine if I started the service like, brood of vipers, what, what brought you here today? Fling the wrath, I see. No, it's not exactly seeker sensitive, you might say. And it's kind of weird because these guys, the Pharisees and Sadducees, are like prime candidates for baptism. They are righteous and they are principled. They are good people, more or less. The problem for John is that in spite of their outward piety, they are spiritually unproductive. Bear fruit, John shouts at them. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as your ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. The Pharisees and Sadducees are, in a nutshell spiritually complacent. Publicly, they're pious. They endorse all the right causes and make all the right donations. They attend worship. They say the creed. They know all the prayers off by heart. They identify strongly as children of Abraham. They are cradle believers. And so were their parents' parents and parents' parents' parents. But when it comes down to it, they are trees unable to bear fruit. They are dead inside. On paper, they look great, but inwardly, they're the same people they ever were. They're judgmental, self-righteous, self-interested, and self-satisfied. The trees are there, but the branches are bare, you could say. John says they've missed the point of being a tree. Trees bear fruit, and these guys haven't got a single bud. In this kind of complacency, John says... 
is going to have some severe consequences. Even now, he says, even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And if you know your Bible, you'll know that John is channeling the book of Malachi, which comes at the very end of the Old Testament. We're at the very beginning of the New Testament here. So there's that connection. See, the day is coming, Malachi says. The day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day of the day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Here John issues a warning. If you guys aren't careful, John says, if things don't change fast, you trees are who can't seem to sprout a measly bud are going to wake up trimmed or worse. Now, I'll admit that this talk of fire makes me kind of nervous. Some of us are here in this church specifically to escape judgmental faith traditions that rely exclusively on law and messages of fire and brimstone. The United Churchiest liberal Christianist part of me reacts like it's being attacked with the flu every time I hear John. With John, it's Yahweh or the highway. (laughs) Turn or burn. Repent or else. Get him out of that nativity scene already because he's blocking the baby Jesus. As nervous as John might make me, though, There's something here that we need to hear. On the day before Halloween, I was in Home Depot, and I noticed that all of their Halloween uh, decorations were already down the day before Halloween. And what was in their place? Smiling, happy Santa. Ho, 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 ho. And this pretty much says it all about Christmas, even for Christians. We tend to take one step in November and end up with our feet joyfully, our foot joyful, other foot joyfully in the manger with Jesus. The joy is straight up to 11 at the end of November with nothing in between. But the thing about the Christian message is that it's, it really is all about drastic change. It's about drastic change. I mean, you heard our scripture passage from Isaiah last week. In the end, Isaiah says, swords will be beaten into plowshares. You know, implements of war will be turned into implements of food production. And just this past week, The Economist reported that some of the treaties limiting nuclear weapons are set to expire, and we could have another nuclear arms race. To get from here to Isaiah represents a huge, drastic change still. You need to heard another passage from Isaiah this morning. In the end, the poor will be judged with righteousness, and the meek of the earth will be treated with equity. And yet a lot of our Christmas depends on what we can only describe as slave labor. The poor are not treated with equity. So to get from Isaiah from here is drastic change. Wolves will live with lambs, Isaiah says. Cows and bears hanging out over coffee. Children will put their hands into a snake pit and simply find new friends. 
all of the antagonisms between humanity and creation will cease, it says. And yet now, ecological crisis after crisis threatens the Earth's fragile balance. So to get there, to Isaiah, from here, is a drastic change. And of course, as John says, our own lives simply aren't what they got to be either. As the Apostle Paul says, none are righteous, all fall short of the glory of God. Or as the psalmist says, if you, O Lord, could keep a record of sins, who could stand? Our own lives are rife with hypocrisy, selfishness, and self-righteousness. So to get to where we ought to be, to where John points, and where we are, again, it means drastic change. It means drastic change. John shows us what we are completely missing, that we are completely missing something on the way to Bethlehem. John tells those of us who are preparing for the coming of Christ that this is no easy path of instant joy. John is here to hold up a mirror to us in the world to show us that we, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, can become so complacent, so accustomed to our yearly rituals and traditions that we slide into them every single year with ease and without hesitation. We go through the motions, rest on our laurels, and jump through the hoops and forget that Christ's coming represents a drastic change from the way things are. We can't simply jump from one joy to the other. We've got to cross the Jordan to get to Bethlehem. To get to Jesus, we've got to go through John. We've got to feel the heat of judgment. Now, at this point in the sermon, it might make a make sense for me to pull a little John the Baptist on you, um, to tell you to get preparing the way, to work harder, give up this, take up that, change your lives already, lay down the law so you'll wake up and get bearing fruit already. And you know, as much as I l- would love to call you all a bunch of snakes, the thing is that life doesn't really work that way, if we're honest. Christianity doesn't work that way either. A couple of years ago, a very conservative friend of mine put a decal of Greta Thunberg shaking her finger over the gas tank of his truck, bearing the words, how dare you? How dare you? I can't say that her confrontational pose made my friend any more sensitive to ecological issues. He simply put up his defenses and put on a humorous uh, sticker and made fun of it. It just didn't work. The thing about law is that it rarely, if ever, truly accomplishes what it asks. It may for a little bit, but then it gradually drops away. The truth is that we need something more. And John knows it too. John knows that his zealousness, 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 zealousness isn't enough. He knows we need something more than cajoling, something more than threats. He knows we need something, he knows we need someone outside of us to bring about 
this kind of drastic change. I baptize you with water for repentance, John says, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. And again, this is that scary fire imagery. It sounds like a terrifying image at first, at least. Still more punishment and more destruction. But the thing that John is that the one John's talking about is Jesus. The one that's greater than John is Jesus, the one who came not to serve, but to be served. The one who came not bearing a whip and a new law, but the one who was whipped and condemned by the law. The one who came not wielding a sword, but the one whose side was pierced by the ones who he forgave. The one who came not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The one who came not tossing trees in the fire, but the one who endured the furnace of hell on the cross. The greater one John is talking about is Jesus, the one who came to us at Christmas in total vulnerable weakness as a baby. I mean, whether John knew that this was the case or not, I, this is who he's talking about. Which means that this image is actually good news. Christ comes not to destroy our lives because the fire he comes to baptize us with is the fire of divine love. That love that burns hot at the heart of all things. The great novelist Franz Kafka once said that he believed that literature was meant to change people, to provide them with a new way forward, to provide ice axes for frozen seas. And the coming of Christ is like this. Christ comes to us not to bully or coerce us into changing because he knows it'll never stick. Instead, he goes to the source. He cuts through and melts the frozen seas of our hearts to burn all burn away all that is not of God in us by the power of God's life-giving spirit. Like a forest fire that burns away old rotten stumps and deadfall, Christ comes again and again and again to burn away all that is cold, all that is hard, all that is dead in us. Everything that holds us back from full and abundant life. Everything that holds us back from loving God with all our hearts, minds, souls, and strengths and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Christ comes to burn a fire in the earth to burn a fire in us to clear it all away so we can bear fruit again in the way that we were always meant to bear fruit. So the question for each of us and the question for you and me, each of us this season is this. What is Christ coming to burn away in you?
so you can bear fruit. Maybe Christ is coming to burn off your anger, your jealousy, your selfishness and resentment so mercy and compassion can grow in its place. Maybe Christ is coming to incinerate your guilt and regret so the freedom of forgiveness might blossom instead. Maybe Christ is coming to cremate your greed and self-centeredness that the joy of generosity might take hold and take over like a garden full of weeds. Whatever he comes to scorch, and though it's difficult, it's painful to see where we fall short, know that Christ comes only to save. Christ comes only to save, to raise the old world of sin and death to the ground, and in its place, plant a new creation, one that bears fruit abundance, more than we could ever possibly imagine. Christ comes to plant in us a new creation and burns away all that is dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. So friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, this time for us, Advent, Christmas, This time for us who follow the way of Jesus Christ is a special time indeed. But it's not a special time because it is an easy inoculation of candy and sweet dreams, as much as I love those things. But it is a special time because it's a time where we prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. That we're able to look ourselves in John's mirror for who we truly are, those things in us that are dead, dying, or need to die without shame or self-delusion. But knowing that we can do it without fear. Though the fire of judgment burns hot, we know it's the refining fire of God's love, making room for Jesus to take up residence in our lives yet again. Year after year after year until it's for good, until it's forever. So, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. Get ready for his coming. Let every heart prepare him room. Amen. Oh, 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 oh,
Please remain 